Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real-life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Oh, hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. My guest is Litan Yahiv, and he is a real estate investor, but he's also a founder of a number of software companies. And the one he's currently involved with and grinding away on is called Visor, V-Y-Z-E-R dot C-O. And what it is, is a platform to aggregate your passive investments. So you've got, in, you're investing with, this deal, and if you if you're listening and you've had that experience, um, it gets unruly after a little while. You got all these documents coming out, you got distributions to track, and it gets more complex over time. So they create a software as a service solution browser base that you can log in and automate a lot of this stuff, track a lot of this stuff, do forecasting. Really cool platform. I'm a limited partner in LP in many, 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 many deals. And I have a ton of K1s and a ton of distributions. So I, I feel the pain as a user. And that's why I wanted to get Leeton on the show to just kind of talk through it. But aside from that, we spend kind of the first half of the show talking about um, his experience as a limited partner. You know, they had a liquidity event, uh, sold a company. And real interesting, he's he based in Israel. And because of their mandatory retirement system, uh, Israelis look at investment different. They basically try to invest everything because their retirement's already squared away. So very active investor, has been a limited partner since 2015 in a lot of deals. And he's got this whole kind of way of looking at things and investing that I think um, you as a potential limited partner or limited partner will definitely get some value from. So that was our episode. Um, had a great time with uh, Litan, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Before we get to that, uh, if you're listening to the show, thank you. Appreciate you spending some time with me and our guests. Nothing would mean more to me than a five-star review. It's easy to do and it uh, on Apple, and it's it helps out with the algorithm, right? It helps out with our reach on this show. So I'd like to ask you for a five-star review if you enjoy this show. Uh, we're going to have a word from our sponsors and then get into the episode. Here we go. This episode is brought to you by DJE Texas Management Group, a San Antonio, Texas-based real estate investment firm with a track record of transacting on several hundred million dollars of multifamily land and industrial deals throughout Texas. DJE has been in business for over a decade and is approaching 100 team members in San Antonio. To learn more about DJE, visit djetexas.com or the link in the show notes of this episode. This episode is also brought to you by apartmenteducators.com complete ecosystem for professionals to learn how to find, finance, and operate large multifamily properties for profit. You can get started with a free mini course and learn more at apartmenteducators.com or visit the link in the notes. Litan, welcome to the show. It's really great to have you. I want to dive in on your experiences over the years as an investor and a tech founder and all those things. And before we do, want to get um, some background on you personally and, and what got you into the real estate space in general. For sure. Devin, thank you for having me on the show. Always a pleasure speaking with a fellow GoBro from GoBundant. So uh, shout out for that. Uh, so yeah, so my name is Litan. Um, personal background, I'm 40 years old, married, three kids, uh, born in the States, moved to Israel when I was a kid, um, served here in the military for six years uh, in the Navy, 
And then went to school. We go to school when we're older. So I went to college when I was 24, uh, studied law and business, worked as a sailing instructing, instructor while doing so. And, and, um, and then during, during, during college, sort of joined this entrepreneurship program where we founded our last startup, me and my current co-founder, uh, in a very weird industry. Um, we did 3D imagery for diamonds and jewelry for trading them online. Uh, we just found this need for this very archaic industry and we found a, a technological solution, launched that, it went very well. Uh, sold that company back in 2015, made some money and uh, stayed on for a few more years to scale that up with offices around the world, a few hundred employees. Uh, but at some point sort of we had enough and in 2018, me and my co-founder moved on. Now, just like a minute about that exit. So we saw a company, when you saw a company, there's some PR around it. And then you get approached by a lot of you know, wealth managers, financial advisors, stuff like that, wanting to manage your money, some private banks. Um, and the cool thing or the weird thing or the different thing in Israel is that um, everyone here does real estate abroad passively. And, and the reason we do that is because there's a sense here that your retirement is set because the equivalent of the 401k in the US is mandatory in Israel. You don't have a choice neither as an employer or an employee. So, so, so you have that feeling that, all right, I have these savings that I'm, if I do retire at 60, whatever, then, then I'll get that. But any excess cash I have, I want to go and find a way to multiply that. And what better way to multiply that than to invest in real estate? And so that also created a situation where there are a lot of Israeli real estate operators, um, sponsors, syndicators that do real estate abroad in the U.S. and in Europe. And so back to sort of so the exit. So we decided we knew people and we trusted these people and we just started to invest with them. Um, our first two deals weren't even passive. Sort of we had this company that had a full turnkey solution of single family homes in Ohio. We bought these two single family homes in a suburb of Cleveland and they just turned out to be a shit show. It was like, it was a bad, bad uh, experience investing in active real estate. And simultaneously, we also put some checks into some syndications as LPs and they were performing so much better and such like at lower headache than, than actively investing. And we're like, shit, why, why would anyone want to do this if I can do that? And we just said, all right, for that moment on, we're not buying any more single families or actively managed stuff because we wanted the passive stuff. And we just doubled down on investing as an LP. As Me and my co-founder just did everything together. And over the years, you know, we've invest, we only invested at the beginning with people we knew, uh, with good friends or good friends of good friends, just to, so that we had that level of trust that was very high. Um, one, that they knew that what they were doing, but two, more importantly, they would not screw us over. And, and so we deployed cash into a bunch of those deals, um, learned some lessons. And then at some point, sort of we exhausted those connections. And we also wanted to, like every, almost all these deals are in the U.S. Why would I want to invest with an, with an Israeli who does that in the U.S.? I, I prefer to find, let, let me go find an operator who does real estate in the U.S. and invest directly and, 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 and get that. And, Anyway, that's one of the reasons I joined GoBundance like almost, I'd say three years ago, two and a half years ago um, to do that. And, and that's a whole different story. But so that's sort of how we got into real estate. 
Uh, we've been doing that for the past eight years, since 2015, when we sold the company. Uh, I'd say we did probably more than 30 deals over the years with 12 different operators in the US and Europe. Um, and we can dive into that. We can dive into any, any aspect you'd like, but I'll just fast forward and finish my background. All right, so, so we did that, left the company in 2018, iterated because we're, we're tech guys looking to build another startup, looking for like ideas to build and stuff to do. And while doing that, we also wanted started managing our wealth, our money, um, and we couldn't find a place to do it. And so we just, our spreadsheets became insane. At some point said, screw that, let's just build ourselves a piece of software to automate the whole tracking process of these passive investments, alternative investments, with, which you cannot link, you, you can't, and it's really hard to stay on top of everything. And we decided to build ourselves a piece of platform to do that, piece of software to do that. And then a bunch of friends wanted it as well. And we're like, wait, there might be a whole new business here. And that's why we founded our current company, Visor, which is essentially out of our own needs to manage our money and the money of people like us that have those type, that type of complexity. They have these LP positions. They don't have you know hundreds of millions where it makes sense to have a family office. Um, and so anyway, that's sort of what, what, what brought us to where we're at today, which is, which is Visor. And, and we can dive into that as well, if you like, but like, take it wherever, wherever you think would be interesting. Awesome. Thanks for the overview. I appreciate that. Um, th there's a lot in there that I want to get into. Uh, another GoBro that I was on his podcast last week and he said something on Twitter. He said, uh, your, your, your profits, the profit I'm excited about is, is revenue minus expenses minus headaches. That's the really the, the filter he was looking at businesses through. So there's a million things we could do that are profit minus expenses. Looks pretty good. But as an active real estate operator, you know, I'm an active real estate operator, the headache uh, component of that equation is massive. And so if you're really looking at just deploying capital efficiently and you remove the headache from it, yeah, 100%. So that seemed to be your, you guys' experience. I'm curious, um, you, you started with, with friends and relationships, very common. What do you guys look at when you're vetting operators now? Are there common traits among good operators or, or things you've seen over the years to go, I think that's an operator I want to learn more about, or I think that's an operator that I should stay away from. You know, there's a lot of a lot of LPs, a lot of passive investors listening to this, and you know, would love to get your take on how you kind of look at that today after everything you've been through. Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty obvious to say that's the biggest hurdle, right? Finding finding that first, second, third operator that you want to trust and invest with, and put your precious or hardly earned cash into. Um, and so for us, it's still like, first and foremost, like personal acquaintance with the managing partners of that operator, um, which sort of segues into one, like, I, I actually have like these five pointers that, that I always look at when I, when I vet, when I vet an operator, they're not like rocket science. Right. But the first one is that if I know these people, like, do I personally know the managing partner, the people that own the company that, that um, and if I don't personally know that, and let me find someone I, I really trust who knows them personally, it's not always possible, right? And that's why many times we don't invest. And that's the second point with really, really big operators. Um, it's a downside. It's a trade-off, right? The bigger the operator, the more experience they have, the bigger the team to vet deals, to communicate better and all that. My feeling, though, is one, it's very hard to personally know the owners if it's such a huge operator many times. And then the second part of that is that for me, 
the bigger the operator, and this is like sub question two, the bigger the operator, the more usually the more LPs they'll have, the more cash people need to deploy into it. That means more deals they need to go and vet and provide. And that tends to be like a situation where you have these really big operators sending you deal flow every other week. And it's like, all right, it, they might be great, but it's a numbers game. At the end of the day, they are going to fail on some of these deals. Not all of them are going to be like home runs. And that's, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying like, the more they do, the higher the chances that one of those deals are going to, is going to fail. And then if you, if I, I, just for me, I don't, I prefer to take the risk, the other risk, right? There's also a risk investing in the smaller operators, but at least for me, it's like, if I go to the extreme other side where there's an operator that does one deal a year, and that's like the, like the, the small, small operators, they are going to kill themselves to make sure that that deal succeeds. Like, because they, because they, I mean, they have a small number of LPs. Those LPs need to be super satisfied. That LP, that GP, or the operator is going to do whatever it takes to succeed. Anyway, so that's like, for me, that's um, that's number two. Number three is um, um, so so. This is a, a technical question that I or two technical questions. One is what happens in a refinance event. And this might sound like stupid, right? But it's like, for us, it's, it, it helps us first understand the deal better. Second, it, when you speak with an operator about refinance or refis, it, get, it gives you a sense to, all right, do they know what they're talking about? Do they answer honestly? Do they go and check? Because over the years, so that I've had refinance events happen in these syndications, um, and it was sort of surprising. What do I mean by surprising? You know, these deals, you put $100,000 in or 50 or whatever, and you're supposed to get a certain amount of cash on cash return annually, right? And then everything above that, you know, the waterfall kicks in. And then what happens in a refi event? Because let's say you put 100 grand in, you get 8%, which is 8,000 bucks a year, fine, every quarter, like distributed every quarter. But then you get 70,000 back after a year in the project because there was a refinance event. So you have 30,000 remaining in the deal. Well, all right, you got cash back home. What happens now? Let's say it's a seven year, eight year deal. What happens from that moment on? You have 30,000 in, do you still get 8% of the 30,000? Um, do you get 8% of 30,000 and then the waterfall kicks in like everything above that or do you, like, what happens? And I'm not, saying, I, I'm not saying that there's a right or wrong answer here. I'm just saying that I've spoken with operators that I'd never met before. And they're trying they're pitching me deals and then i'll ask that question and then they'll like you know just directly answer yeah yeah of course it's eight percent of the thirty thousand remaining and i'm like are you sure i mean the, is it do you want to check no no for sure and then and then i'll finish the conversation and say all right listen on that point check that out for me and get back to me right and then he'll get back they'll get back to me and say, oh you're right it's not that there's a different type of structure for that distribution and again, there's no right or wrong for me. It's just like, I, I want to see the, understand like what people have thought about. And the second thing in, in terms of refinance, and I think during this upcoming period in particular, is it is going to be very, very hard for, I think, operators to add 
potential refinances in their projections, at least in the near future, with interest rates so high, I think. And this is from an unprofessional opinion. Uh, and so when I see the yields looking the same way they did a year ago, that's also a red light, a red flag. Um, so anyway, that's that's the refi. And then the second, the, 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 I don't remember where I'm at already, but then there's the waterfall, like what does it look like? And again, this is related to the size of the company. The bigger the company, the bigger the operator, the um, less investor friendly the waterfall will look. So I've had, I've seen waterfall and waterfall again, for those who don't know, so I, you can probably explain this better than me, right? But you have this preferred return, usually seven, 8%. And then there's a definition, all right, what happens to the profit above that? What's the split between the operator or the GP and the LP? And then I've seen sort of, you know, I've even seen 90, 10, like to really, really early, early emerging managers. The most common I've seen is 70, 30, but then I've also heard 50, 50, which is fine. It just it feels to me like the bigger the operator, that's going to be the split. And obviously, because it's a big company and they need to, I understand no right or wrong. Just for me, I prefer the more LP friendly terms um, in that sense. Now, I do think, this is really important. I think, that, like you mentioned, it is such hard work to get these deals through and to make them work and profitable. I think the GP should be incentivized and, and, and should make a ton of money because you guys are doing all the work. Um, anyway, but so, so that's it. I, I, I don't know if I forgot something, but that's, that's my two cents. I love it. There's a, there's a whole lot there and that's a whole lot of things for LPs to think about. It is interesting trying to find kind of the sweet spot where your first time out syndicating a deal, maybe it's friends, friends and family, or as a friend of mine says, it's you're raising capital from friends, family, and fools on that first deal. And uh, if you can, if you can get it to go well, now you're building your track record, especially if you can get it to go full cycle and that, that may take years, but if you're a sponsor, you start throwing up some full cycle deals on the board. Okay. Now you're really getting somewhere, but yeah, time goes on and we've kind of gone through that too. You know, our operating costs used to be zero. It used to be my time. And it was like, I didn't need to really do anything. Uh, you know, we could close one deal a year. My expenses are covered and we're fine. Then you start kind of expanding, bringing on staff. And at some point, you know, you need to have some kind of deal flow, but you still never want to get into a, a bad deal. So it's just kind of a balancing act. And then, yeah, those bigger sponsors with a big track record and a ton of full cycle deals up on the board, they're going to probably start to change their splits, you know, more towards them. And I agree, it's it's not right or wrong. Um, it's just, you know, what they're able to kind of command in the marketplace. But that's that's all really um Really good intel from somebody that's that's been doing it for a number of years now. Are you more biased towards a certain? We talked a little bit about markets, but I'd love to get your thoughts on markets, asset classes, and fund versus one-off syndication. Is there anything that you're you know more biased towards out of out of those things? I can't say I am. I, I have invested in various asset classes. And again, it doesn't, I, I don't really care about the deal. Honestly, I don't really care about the underlying asset for that matter. All I care about is the person I'm investing with. And if the numbers make sense for me, that, that's sort of the way I look at it, right? Because once I vet the person, the operator, I, I probably will not, Litan, right? Me, will, I will not go 
and go vet. I'm not going to go and see, wait, are the rents you're anticipating what they really should be? And does that make, I'm not going to, I have no way to really do that. I think it's not my job. I'll probably never be professional enough to do that. And so I trust someone to do that better than me, but I want to make sure the numbers match what I'm looking for. So for example, when you do a, I mean, when you, when you do a multifamily value add type deal, there are certain numbers to expect in terms of cash flow, in terms of IRR, in terms of like the duration. And then if it's development type deal, where it's a ground up development or a flip or whatever, the numbers are very different. The time is very different. And, and both are fine, just they need to match what I need at that point in time and what my strategy for like asset allocation and cash flow looks like. But I've done like, I mean, I've invested in value add and ground up in flips, building flips and single family flips and uh, storage units um, and, and all and, and both in the US and in Europe. And it's very different markets. Um, I did like in terms of and I know this is not relevant for most Americans. Right. But when you do invest abroad, for me, I did have a I'd say a, a, a fail there where I didn't take into account um, foreign currency and exchange rates. So I invested in a deal in Poland, the Zlati. And it was a ground up development deal. And I made like 18% or 20% IRR after like a year and a half, which was nice, not doing anything. But the Zlati fell like 15% and I needed the cash. And, and so I didn't even think about that when I invested. Um, and from that moment, I just decided only to invest in like main currencies like euro and, and dollar, like nothing else for me. Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't talked a lot about international investing and, I had, and exchange rates hadn't even occurred to me as another, like there's not enough variables already at play between interest rates and markets changing and demographics. And now you got to another variable that can change the whole thing that's that's interesting um are is most of your stuff that you've done as an lp us based yeah it is yeah well let's talk about um visor i, I want to kind of dig into that platform who's it for you mentioned you're you know you kind of built it for yourselves and the, and the problem it solved wrangling all these deals i'm an lp in Oh my gosh, dozens of deals. So I, I feel the pain on this. And that was one of the reasons I kind of wanted to talk about this platform. But, um, you know, the genesis of it sounds like it was a pain point for you guys. And so you're building a product around that. But what does it do and who's it for? Yeah, let me dive into sort of like the problem itself that we're trying to solve and yep. what we experience, right? So, so for example, segueing from our current conversation about syndications. So when you invest into these deals, you start to get, you know, all right, first of all, there's a setup, there's there's investment docs and all that, and you have to store them somewhere, right? But then that's easy, you know, Dropbox, Google, Uber, Drive, whatever. But then you start to get ongoing emails, like every quarter, every month. Um, and we'd get emails from operators and we wouldn't even remember, wait, when did we invest in this deal? How much did we put in? And then if there's a distribution, does this, like, what did I expect? Is this what I expected? I mean... And then you each of each operator has a different investor portal, right? To, to log in and then pull in the information. And so that just became a mess for us. And so well, 
and, and you know, even if even if that quarterly uh, email came in and I managed to remember, these are good problems to have, right? I can't complain, but they're, they're good problems to have for sure. But um, a week later, two weeks later, the cash will appear in my bank account. And so even if I remembered a week ago to what that was, I'm not going to remember like, what is this? What's this $5,000 that I just got? And so essentially what Visor is, it's this sort of, I'd say financial concierge or a virtual family office or whatever you want to call it, where I just forward those emails to Visor. We have this, so you can, or you, you can just upload any financial document into Visor and then we'll translate that document or that email it could be a spreadsheet, a PDF, whatever, into assets, liabilities. Um, and then you'll, you can link in your bank account. And we'll automatically identify transactions and link those to the assets that we set up. And then we'll project your cash flow moving forward because when you have multiple streams of income and expenses from different bank accounts and stuff like that, it's really hard to even think about, all right, I have this cash position today, but how will it look? a year from now, five years from now. Because we've had situations where, again, good problems to have, but like suddenly we'd receive a large distribution or a, an exit event and we're like, oh shit, I forgot that this money's coming in. Now I have to find a place to allocate it. And I, and a month ago, there were a bunch of deals I need to go find. So the idea is that wall, we like Visor, what it does is it automatically projects what things are going to happen based on your expectations from the get-go. And then we'll raise flags saying, hey, this is coming up. You need to be prepared. This is what people like you have done. Um, and, and so that's sort of like the basis for Visor. And then there are a lot of things on top of that. You can add everything. Like you can also link in your, your brokerage accounts, your retirement accounts, your crypto, like you do whatever, everything. The idea is to have this holistic overview for everything. Um, and what we're adding now is a really cool feature that we'd love to have is sort of the insights onto not just what I have, but what the community of visors have. So, so Ben, basically the idea is to show for people to anonymously share that information with other people in the platform, if they want to opt in or out, whatever, but then you can then see, for example, under real estate, which operators have people invested in. How many people have invested in each operator? How much money has gone into each operator just through the Visor platform? Like the money doesn't go through the platform. It's important to emphasize we don't touch the money, but the right. idea is just to, you know, um, bring more transparency in these private markets where there's none and it's all word of mouth. And um, so that's sort of the premise of, of Visor. Um, and it's going pretty well. I love it. Thanks for the overview. The, the, um, Anonymous data seems like a really cool feature where maybe you can see, hey, I thought my allocations should be X, you know, this much cash, this much multifamily, this much, you know, whatever you think, public equities, whatever you think the allocation is. But now you're able to kind of see what other other people are doing. And especially around the operators, you're right. It's incredible with all the technology that we have, podcasts and portals and sending out ACH distributions and uh, email updates to investors and all these things down to the property management software that it's still very much a word of mouth kind of, kind of, uh, situation as far as finding operators. So I love it. I love it. Yeah. What's yeah, that's why, I mean, again, think about it. Like I joined, I, I pay a nice amount of money a year to be in a community of people that I trust their opinion 
Um, like I'd never know you, right? If if I wasn't wouldn't join Gobun, like so. I actually, there's no, there's really no way to do it. And that's why all these communities have sprouted up and people need to share information through that. Um, and, and there's always this problem with incentivizing. Um, like, Cause the op, you know, when you, when you talk about operators, not every operator is incentivized to share that and all the information about who's invested with them and how much has been invested with the world. Right. Whereas when it comes to the LPs, that's really organic in, uh, information and that happily being shared Will bring a lot of value to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, not everyone. I guess the bad LP, the bad GPs probably won't get value. Sorry, I interrupted you in the middle. It's <laughs> a good point, right? Well, like like you said, you're you're shedding light into a very opaque uh, private marketplace, and so that's gonna that's gonna have certain certain impact, um, maybe in a faster way than word of mouth does. You know, word of mouth negative around a, a negative word of mouth around a sponsor is going to get around very quickly. Positive word of the mouth is, is going to get around too, but you're just kind of creating another another avenue um, to do that. What what do you guys see? You know, is this is this your kind of primary focus right now, Visor? Or what you know, you've had an exit. You're you're a limited partner. What does your life look like now? Is it is it very lifestyle focused? Is it grinding away at, at, at Visor for for some exit in, in the future? Or what you know, kind of how, how do you see the next year going for you? Yeah, so um, not that I can compare anything in the world to pregnancy, but it's sort of like that. You know, they say when a woman gives birth, it's like the most difficult moment in their life. And then there's a there's like some sort of, I don't know, a, um, reaction, like chemical reaction that erases that memory that they'll go through it again. So. Right. You know, you, I, I can't compare, like, I, I apologize to all the women. There's no comparison, right? But let's take one thousandth of that is building a startup and going through the grind of doing right. it, selling it, and then putting yourself back in the same, the same sort of process. So yeah, we are hella grinding it with this startup. This is like, we're building this nonstop. We have a lot of passion for this. We feel the pain. We want to have this. We feel a lot of people experiencing it well as well. And so that's our passion, right? I mean, we, me and my co-founder, our passion is to find these problems that are very, very hard to solve and see how we can bring tech to solve them. Um, but definitely like my, the lifestyle I live is that of a 25 year old tech founder grinding, building his next startup. Yeah. hundred percent. But, yeah. but now that I have, you know, kids, the balancing is a lot more important for me. Um, and, and it's a lot harder as well. Right. So. Yeah, for sure. But it sounds like it's by choice, right? You're kind of going, you're, you're signing up for another tour of duty here, but you're, you're, you're opting in and you're, you, you got to do something. I mean, you can't just retire at 40 and sit on the beach. You go crazy. Right. So a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, I love it. I, what you said about kind of going through the the trauma and then forgetting. I, I, I kind of we have three kids, and I kind of feel that way about their early life, where you know managing three children and and the business and being married and stuff. It was pretty hectic, and then you just kind of forget about it enough to have another kid. You know, that wasn't that hard. <laughs> <laughs> Do it again. So yeah. I love yeah. it. I think it's a I think it's a good analogy, but that's exciting. Um, what's the is this, is this dispersed around the globe? Is it is it all because you're spending all your time in Israel, most of your time? What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, uh, my home base is Israel, but I we travel yeah. a lot. We're a lot in the states as well. 
Um, our team is mainly based in Israel. We also have a team in the U.S. Um, but but yeah, so it's it's a full time team. We're venture backed. Um, so yeah, yeah, you know, I love it. Engineers, designers, product managers, customer success people, data. There's a lot of anything you can imagine in a startup like this. We we have right, and this is all purely SaaS based kind of. Yep. Uh, recurring revenue model, right? Yeah, the idea, so what, what we don't, what we, we don't like the AUM based fee because I yeah, feel that, yeah, creates, right. because that creates sort of a, an incentive for us to convince people to put more information in. Whereas right. if it's just a flat SaaS model, um, that's also pretty cheap for the service. So we, we charge a thousand dollars a year or a hundred dollars a month, which for what we're charging, it's like almost free, but we want people to get the confidence that they're paying for something, they're going to use it, Yep. but they're not going to go bankrupt using it because they're going to get a ton of value also from it. Um, so, and, and again, if like, if you don't have that complexity, it's probably not for you. Um, but if you do, you need it yesterday. Exactly. I think if, once you get, I was just sending K1s off to a lender on a project and I was like, my goodness, I mean, just dozens and dozens and dozens of K1s and deals that you, you know, what's funny is all the assets have different names. Then there's the LLC that owns the asset. Then there's the LLC that you invested with as an LP. And then they rebrand the asset. So that, the, you know, the day you closed it, it's not called that anymore. And pretty soon you're, you're left with a hundred names of things you're trying to keep in your head, which is one of the reasons I want to have the conversation with you is like, it's so, it's such an obvious kind of market need to fill once you are a serial LP investor that it, it kind of like spells itself out on why the, what the use case is on, on something yeah. like that. So, yeah, I love yeah. it. Um, so what's the plan for the company for the year, for, for the year ahead? Is it just, just um, you know, keep, keep growing organically? Is it, is there, you know, targets you guys have for 2023 or how does that work for, for a software based company like you guys? Yeah, so we have different things, different milestones in our roadmap. A lot of them are product oriented, meaning parts of the software we want to roll out. Um, the benchmarking side of it, which is like really uh, important and we think would be a lot of value and we want to roll out at some point taxes as well. Um, and, 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 and I mean, I don't want to dive into everything, but there's a bunch of stuff we want to roll out from a product standpoint. Um, and we're also starting to think of like partnerships with uh, different organizations that serve either serve this audience or have it their own issues. You know, if you look at multifamily offices or like boutique RIA firms, uh, even private banks, like they all serve the same market and they have the similar problems and the solutions that exist are either like super, super complicated and super expensive or non-existent. And so like, there's nothing in the middle and we're trying to enter that as well. Um, and, and another, some other approaches that we're looking at, but I mean, we can dive into that maybe down the road when you start to release that. Yeah, no, that's exciting. And there's, um, sounds like, it sounds like a, a lot of need there from, from folks that are in multiple deals and, and growing their portfolios. Uh, well, Litan, I really appreciate it. It was awesome to catch up. Thanks for, for sharing your story and sharing the overview of the platform and, and what you guys are up to. If someone listening wants to learn more. Uh, what's what's a good avenue for them to do that? 
So, I mean, I'm pretty, I, I mean, available on, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Litan Yahav is my name. Um, or you can check out our website. It's vyzer.co, so visor.co. And, and you can also drop me an email, Litan Advisor. So any, any, any medium, I'm pretty available and happy to chat. Okay, perfect. If you're listening, you can, uh, we're linked to this in the show notes. You can scroll through the description of this episode, click right through. Uh, to visor.co or we'll we'll uh, put Litan's information in there as well. Um, thank you very much, man. This is really cool to dive into. Uh, it's an exciting product. fills a very specific need where um, where there's a gap in the marketplace. So wish you guys success in the year ahead. You too, man. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. See you. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.